All right, party people, we're back at it again at the research project. I hated that. We're working on an intro. So I, this has been a long time since I recorded my first one podcast, which I really want to actually get into doing this at like a weekly or bi-weekly basis. But I just, you know, have, there's been a lot of shit going on and, you know, your girl's lazy. Um, I guess I could like maybe do like a little thing in the beginning where I talk about, I don't know if anyone wants to hear about my life. Maybe I'll try and just give like an update maybe in the middle, like in the the beginning, if anything exciting has happened. Um, And then if everyone says that they hate it, I need like one out of the two people that listen to this say that they don't want to hear about my life, they hate it, I will maybe stop doing it. Or maybe not, because sometimes I like to talk about myself. But I guess a little, you know, life update at the moment. I currently, and have been since March, living in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that is, for all my Midwesterners out there. Um, And I'm moving soon, quitting my job, starting a new job. Um, So I'm kind of in the process of moving and, like, that's a lot and I am really 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 excited but I'm also just like super stressed about moving and at the same time I was like I'm gonna move and I'm like still contemplating if I want to like go back to school and like go to grad school or if I want to you know just film this podcast and make me not go insane and what I want to do with my life but you know what I'm 22 I'm gonna do whatever the heck I want I guess um but right now I'm just kind of filming this podcast as like a coping mechanism for me actually just like not doing anything I guess um but yeah so that was my little life update one of the other things I kind of like tossed the idea around doing um in the beginning of these which I'm obviously like talking about I kind of want to do like a case a week or like maybe I'll break it up into a couple parts if I kind of like ramble on for too long um is maybe doing like some like news now kind of thing you know news now little flash of flash up on the screen um either way i recently i was at work and we were talking we talk a lot about true crime at work is what i'm coming to notice here but we are talking about the recent murders that occurred about a week ago now in moscow idaho um these are like very upsetting um partially because like I don't know it just makes me really I mean any heinous like violent crime makes me sad but this makes me very sad because I so first of all these murders there were four people three roommates one of one of the roommates boyfriends were murdered like after going out on a Saturday night so they were murdered early Sunday morning at they think about like but they got home at like 1 a.m so early Sunday morning like late like come come home after bar time on Saturday night and the people were just like out on the town like there was witnesses that saw and like video like surveillance footage of a couple of these like girls out and about um at a food truck getting like your late night come home from the bar drunk food and then they figured and then like another two were like at like a frat party or something like down the street and they figured that all these people kind of converged and got home around 1 45 a.m and so there's these four people in the house they i also had two other roommates who were like down on the first floor like the basement of this house who woke up in the morning and went up to find like apparently an extremely like grisly scene um and they called the 911 call i think was placed at like 
11.58 or something. So pretty like, like almost noon the next on that Sunday. And they like in the 911 call were like, hey, we tried to like wake our friend up who was like unconscious. And I think there was like a quote in one of these articles that was like, um, one of their friends has passed out and was not waking up. And then, so the police came and they kind of found out that these four people, these four college students had been like stabbed like repeatedly with they say a large knife they haven't found the weapon they as of this point it's like almost a week almost maybe a week and a half after these murders they do not have any suspects there's really not a lot of information about it um besides just like they ruled out the two other roommates the ones that were kind of like on the bottom or like first floor basement whatever it was of the house and two of the victims so called this one guy who was one of the girl's ex-boyfriends like a few times this was like late like it was at like one or like 1 30 and then like the, another girl called him too so they both called the same number multiple times and he's been ruled out this ex-boyfriend um and everyone's like they're cordial they're fine they just like i mean i've been drunk with my like best friends coming over the bars we're like let's call so and so and like they probably were just calling their ex-boyfriend for like shits and giggles so that's they don't really know a lot it sounds like there's been a lot of police at the scene the one of the really like upsetting things when i saw this picture and everything like said about this crime scene has been it's been like it was like brutal like this was such a like violent crime i guess there's a picture of like the foundation like where like the siding kind of starts up and then there's like concrete below of like blood kind of like dripping out like through the foundation and like through the walls, which I mean, that could happen if like maybe there's right up against the wall, but it just seems like it was a very violent attack and they don't really know much about it. And of course there's a lot of like swirling conspiracies about it. Um, I kind of like, you know, got into a big deep dive hole on this earlier today. And I saw that there apparently like three weeks before this happened, these people let out like their mini Australian shepherd out like of the back door. This dog's like 12. So he like never really left the yard. They just let him out. He'd go do his business, come back. Um, and they let him out and he never came back. And they're like, what the heck? So the, there was like a couple, the husband and a couple of his buddies went out and were like looking for him. And they found this dog, like their family dog that they've had for 12 years, like skinned and like filleted. They said um, like around the area and so the dog was like mutilated and he was obviously freaked out because this is like a part of your family um and he was like well this is freaky because one who does this to a dog like pretty much guts them like a deer he kind of said like he kind of like compared it to like a deer like skinning if you ever dressed a deer um and that the dog never really left the yard so this person would have like had to either like walk through the yard and come across this dog or been like waiting for this dog because they're like he didn't wander around he just came, went out and came back um but so that was terrifying and i think the owners of this dog were like this is sus like two like really disgusting like violent acts happen in this like town of moscow apparently hadn't reported a murder in like seven years so it's a really like small quaint town um but yeah, so this is a story that's kind of unfolding and I just thought it was kind of super interesting to hear about it. Um, it's obviously so, I have so, the whole start of this thing was me talking about how upsetting this was because I mean, these people are like almost the same age as me, like they're college kids. I was just in this same situation like 
nine months ago living like with my roommates in a big house like we lived in a, a pretty safe town we didn't really like I mean we locked our doors but like same thing like you're a bunch of girls living in a house you're having like the best time with your best friends and all of a sudden like I don't know you come home from the bars and like you just go home and go to sleep you don't expect anything like disgusting and crazy to happen but hopefully this kind of gets solved it's kind of spooky that, I mean, it's been a week and they apparently have no suspects, but I mean, obviously, hopefully if anyone hears about this, they will contact authorities. And if there's anyone that knows anything about this and this perpetrator will get caught hopefully soon. Um, but that is my little true crime breaking news corner, I guess. Um, breaking news segment. I guess we could put like the Dun, 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 insert like breaking news noise here um but yeah hopefully this really is solved soon because this is absolutely heartbreaking to hear about this so speaking of cases that we have been hoping to get solved my case that i want to talk about this week and i honestly have like so much typed up about this and there's a lot of i mean there's not a lot but there's a lot of information covering this um that honestly maybe i'll just dice this thing up and make it two parts but I really want to talk this week about the Delphi murders. And as people know, if you've been, you know, paying attention to the news, they, this is like, not a cold case, but it's like an older murder. So this is a double homicide that occurred in 2017. Abigail Williams and Libby DeGerman, who are 13 and 14, were murdered back in 2017. And this case has like caught the world's attention right away. And recently, someone has been arrested for this crime. And actually, today was like November 22nd, was like a hearing um, with the man that they have in custody right now. But we'll talk about that later. I That's kind of how I decided I want to do this because it's kind of been like on my brain. I've been really like using all my free time to just kind of like look at this case and see if anything else has come out of it. Um, but yeah, so I am going to talk to you guys about the Delphi murders and the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. So, as I said before, this has a recent break in the case, um, but I also was kind of like talking to someone about this the other day and like we talked about, me and my friend like talk about true crime a lot and I was like, is this something you've heard of? Because like this is one of like... I think I heard it first on My Favorite Murder. If you guys don't listen to that podcast, please go listen to it right now so you'll understand what I'm saying. But they talked, I think Georgia talked about it um, at one point that these Delphi murders were something that she was like fascinated with. And I have been fascinated with them ever since I heard her talk about them. Just because it is just such an odd case and the fact that it hasn't really been solved and I guess still isn't solved but they have someone in custody now which is huge I was just talking with this friend of mine and I was like please look at this because I need someone to talk to this about and then like it was funny because a few days later this huge break in the case was made but back to the beginning back on track so this all started Monday February 13th 2017 in the small town of Delphi Indiana um they had off school for a snow day makeup um, so if, you know, you're not from the Midwest, Midwesterners, let's go. Um, they usually plan like weird days into your like schedule because we get so much freaking snow all the time. 
that like days where like you get a snow day, it won't like push you back and like you have an extra day added on. In like June, when you're like, I'm ready to get out of school, but then like you had a, like 15 snow days this year, so you have to stay here another 14 days. They kind of like plan days in where they like do extra hours, whatever. And so they had a snow day makeup, so they had the day off school because you know apparently got less snow than they thought they were going to. Anyway, tangent. We're back. Um, since there was no school on the Monday, Abigail Williams, who is 13 and who's more commonly called Abby, and Liberty German, who is 14, who they call Libby, had a sleepover Sunday night. Um, the girls slept in a while over at Libby's grandma's house, who she like lived with, and the girls got up, made breakfast, slept in, whatever. The girls then had a plan to go hike around on like the trails around the Monon High Bridge, um, which was like a common place to hang out in Delphi. Um, Kelsey, who is Libby's 17-year-old older sister, and um, was kind of getting ready to like go to work, hang out with her boyfriend, do things you know you did at 17. Um, and she, she didn't want to like hang out with her younger She did want to hang out with her younger sister, but she was like, I have other things to do. Um, so she was like, but I will drive you. And so she took Libby and Abby and was like, okay, get in the car. I will drive you out to this very like common spot for them to hike. Also a quick editorial side note, if I don't know if I'll cut this out or not, but if you hear that beeping, I'm baking a pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving right now and the oven's going off and I was really on a roll, so I didn't want to stop, but just ignore that beeping. So a lot of like the firsthand kind of accounts I got for this like research was from this podcast called Down the Hill, which was like incredibly well well done and I'll kind of like cite it later in the references, but they went and did so much work and they're still doing work on this podcast. Like they, they just uploaded a new episode since, you know, the guy got arrested, spoiler. Um, but so a lot of these firsthand accounts will come from them. But Kelsey is on there a lot. And she was saying that after this, Kelsey, it was kind of like a warmer, like unseasonably warm day for like almost pretty much Valentine's Day in Indiana. Um, but she still grabbed her little sister Libby and her friend Abby a jacket on the way out to the car. And just when they were on their way, they sang 21 Pilots, as we all did in 2017. And they got to the trailhead and Kelsey told Libby that she loved her and dropped the girls off at the gate and they headed off to the trail. And so this bridge, the Monon High Bridge, was kind of a popular spot for people in the town to kind of like trounce around and walk around and hike. The town of Delphi, Indiana is about 40 miles north of Indianapolis and has a population of about 3,000 people. And being from like a small town too, we had places like this that they're like not really that cool. I mean, they're just somewhere to like go out and kind of get some fresh air, get away from your family, dink around, take Snapchat pictures, whatever. Um... And they're just kind of nice, like, everyone goes there and everyone knows about it. It's not anywhere, like, a tourist would go. It's just kind of, like, a place in town that, like, people go to hang out. Um, And I recently, actually, was down in Indy, and I kind of drove by this area. And this is just, like, it's your typical small town. It's just woods and cornfields. It's just, I don't know. I mean, they describe it later, but it's just, like, small town, ho-dunk, not ho-dunk. But, I mean, I'm from a ho-dunk town, so this is, it's what it is. It's little, like, tiny town Midwest. Um, but so this is an old abandoned railroad bridge that spans Deer Creek, which is accessible by a network of trails. And Abby and Libby, like many children their age in the area, frequented this bridge to take pictures and just get some space. So around 3.30 that same day, Derek, who is Kelsey and Libby's father, went to pick their girls up because they had this like kind of prearranged and they were not at their designated meeting spot. So Derek calls Libby's grandmother, who they all live together, 
so they're super close and they recruit their aunt to come and help look for the girls as they're a little nervous that they like maybe they got lost their phone died we can't find them um kelsey told her uncle and they joined the search and looked in two different directions as like this whole area or like their family knew this area well they'd all been here before um at this point kelsey alerts her mother who lives down in kentucky and libby's grandmother alerts abby's mother so that they can't find the girls um this like web of small call web of phone calls soon makes its way to diane who's libby's grandmother and mike their grandfather who decide to like finally kind of call the police recruit authorities and then mike says he's about a half hour away for work at this time but then like by the time he gets there he when he's like walking out to where the rest of the family is on these trails he like meets up with two police officers so they respond pretty quick to these calls and then what is described in this as the Delphi phone tree, which is also just like the wildfire of like quick information that's met in small towns. If you're like in a small town and something happens, you know about it immediately. It's abs- it's crazy. People like everyone knows each other. So like things are going on Facebook, things are going on Snapchat if you're like, you know, younger. Um, things go on Instagram stories, whatever. It The word spreads pretty quick. Um, and the whole town knows that Abby and Liffy are missing around the Monon High Bridge. Um, Kelsey, Libby's sister, finds a Snapchat that was posted by her sister of Abby on the bridge, and then another picture, like, of the bridge, but it's just, like, black and white, like, little scenic pictures you take, you know? Um, around 5 o'clock, a detective escalates this information to the sheriff, who is described in this podcast as having a powerful mustache. Um, but he tells the sheriff that two girls are missing, he, the sheriff, reports that he was really super concerned as he estimates they locate, like, runaways or, like, senior silver alerts, like, 90 to 95% of the time, which seems a little ambitious and you should be worried. Um, but the fire chief of the Delphi Volunteer Fire Department deploys volunteers, and the mayor, who is only 27 years old, which is crazy young, is also alerted, and pretty much just the whole town all joins this search. The Down the Hill podcast interviewed two of Abby and Libby's best friends who were out that night kind of like searching for them. And they said that they kind of heard word that two, they were recruiting some search dogs who were being brought in from Chicago. And they kind of like felt like a pit in their stomach. Like they felt this was a bad sign and they were worried that, but they were more just like, that means like it's a big deal. But they're also just worried like, hey, my two friends are going to be out in the cold all night because it was getting late and they were just kind of nervous. Um, so these organized search efforts led mostly by like the fire department and emergency services were called off overnight due to limited resources, which is like additional lighting. It gets, it gets dark out there, you know, um, and the unfruitful search efforts so far. So they decided to just pick it back up in the morning. Um, the fire chief reports that there were still members of the community searching like all through the night and even some emergency service members, um, who wanted to stay, but most were pulled off due to the danger of the darkness, um, around the bridge, and of course this is controversial to this day, but, I mean, you gotta kind of put yourself in their shoes, um, and then Anna Williams, who's Abby's mom, got worried when she learned that Libby, the friend, or her daughter's friend, was scared of the dark, and that means the girls, like, wouldn't really be out there voluntarily, like, they don't want to be out there, they don't, they want to get found, um, and the next morning of Tuesday, February 14th, the search begins a little later, like around 10, because apparently there's like a dense fog in the area. Um, but that's just like the organized one. 
The fire chief reports that he went to bed around like 3 and is woken up around 6 a.m. by police chief Mullins letting him know that 300 volunteers um, are coming and they will be using that volunteer fire station as a post. So he's up and moving real early. Um, Kelsey and her grandmother got up around 7.30 a.m. to begin the search and they all meet up at the fire station where Kelsey was split off into a group with her father and older sister to search kind of around the Monon High Bridge. The terrain around Deer Creek um, was definitely not ideal for a search. They deployed helicopters and kayakers to kind of search like the creek bed and around the creek in like a broader area. Um, and while out searching, a shoe was found about a quarter mile upstream of the bridge. And then about 30 seconds later, and like Kelsey is like recounting this, um, someone yelled that they had found the girls. And they quickly learned that the girls were not alive when they found them. The bodies of Abby and Libby were found around 12.15 on February 14th of 2017 in the woods off the Delphi Historic Trail, about a quarter mile upstream of the Monon High Bridge where they were last like known to be. Um, state troopers, including Doug Carter, who is the superintendent of the Indianapolis State Police, and Sergeant Kim Riley, who is the press kind of briefer for the state police. This case already is like known well in the town of Delphi, and it kind of sends them into a frenzy because they pretty much had all been looking for these two girls the night before and probably into the morning. Um, as well as they're spreading media attention over like Facebook and social media. Um, and since there were so many volunteers, it wasn't surprising that the girls were found by a volunteer. So the, everyone knows like kind of right away that the girls were found, but they were not found alive. And this is just kind of devastating for this small town, obviously right away, as well as the firefighters and police officers who were working so diligently in, to find these girls in the first place. So the investigation into the girls' murder is begins almost immediately. Um, the scene, as it later comes out from descriptions, was odd. That was the word they used to describe it a lot, and it also just seemed very like complicated from what they were saying. Nobody really knew this at the time, but the girls were found off the bank of Deer Creek on private property on steep terrain that hundreds of people, like volunteers, had been tromping all over in late winter, which led to like a lot of leaves being on the ground. This all compiled to create a very complex crime scene, um, more complex than like a controlled spaces, like in a home or like in like on concrete or something. But well, excuse me, just you know, burped and was made a stupid concrete reference. Anyway. Um, immediately a mobile command center was set up, um, and cell coverage was kind of like dicey because it was in kind of a remote area, but once the girls were found, the volunteers immediately turned from volunteers searching for two lost girls to people who, like, kind of loosely had to be documented as people involved in the case. Not like persons of interest, but like, they had to get their statements, they had to document who was all there, what everybody had seen. Also, officers needed to determine how large the crime scene needed to be. The girls were found about a quarter mile from the Monon High Bridge, which is where people kind of last knew they were at, from Kelsey dropping them off and, like, taking the pictures and such. So the officers needed to determine how big of an area needed to be roped off and thoroughly searched. 
The public information officer, Kim Riley, um, is from the area and was the first investigators on the scene from the Indiana State Police. Later that day, an announcement was made that two bodies were found in Deer Creek, um, about a mile east from Delphi, but no positive ID had been made. He then thanks the volunteers and the community and part of the families of the girls who they were searching for. So, I mean, everyone already kind of knew before this that the bodies that had been found were of Libby and Abby, but this, him saying they're not possibly ID'd and then being like, but these, the families thank you for searching is like, I don't know. Everyone knows at this point that Libby and Abby were found and it was most likely a murder. On Tuesday, February 14th, um, the youth of Delphi go into school and like kind of hear around when they're at school that their peers will not be in class that day. The Down the Hill podcast interviewed friends of Libby and Abby, one of them who was named Erica, who reported that the school counselor pulled the girls out of like the middle of class along with a couple other children to tell them about their friends. Um, multiple people were called being gathered in the library in a little like support area. Comfort dogs were also brought in and the friends were called at the school immediately began to like support the students. Um, Christina Lang, who was a teacher of Abby and Libby, reports that she got a text, um, she doesn't really remember who from, that the girls likely were murdered, um, even though the girls had not been, or like the bodies found had not been possibly ID'd yet. Amy Brown, who is Erica's mother, who was like friends of Abby and Libby, um, remembered telling her daughter that someone, like quote, someone did this, and that she knew her daughter's life would never be the same after knowing this. At the same time, the investigation is changing hands, kind of like, from the sheriff and local police to involve the Indiana State Police, who can already feel that this is not like a routine case that they usually deal with. The media coverage also is already becoming a huge part of this case, um, even from the very beginning. The two Snapchat photos that Kelsey kind of talked about earlier um, are also beginning to be taken into consideration that were posted on Libby's social media. One shows Abby on the bridge, a typical like kind of take of your friends in a scenic place, as well as a black and white photo of just the bridge. The police are trying to pick apart these images, like which one was taken first, um, where on the bridge were these taken. The FBI go to the school and search for like, they kind of were looking for like screenshots of people who kind of like maybe saw these pictures um, to determine which of the images was kind of taken first and like what order that she posted them. One of the students reports that the agents were really friendly and prefacing that they did not have to give up their phones, but like the information was voluntary, but they needed it to help figure out what happened. And I can't imagine how scary it is for like FBI agents or even just like police officers to like come to your school and investigate something. I mean, I had this is a real big side note when I was like in like fifth grade I remember coming home from school and I was you know my parents weren't home yet I was just kind of dinking around they were still at work I got off the bus the phone the home phone rings and I'm like mm, I'm gonna do what my parents tell me not to do and I'm gonna answer this answer the phone and it was like whatever this is special agent so-and-so with the FBI like and I you could tell like I was young and he's like are your parents there and I'm like uh no also not what you're supposed to do um but he was like okay I'm going to like give you a number and write it down and have them call me back or I will just call back tomorrow when whatever when your parents get home and I was like okay parent and I'm like thinking there I'm like oh my god my parents are going to freaking jail I'm like the FBI is calling me and so I come home or my parents come home and I'm freaking out 
And they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, the FBI is calling, are you guys going to jail? And they're like, no. And long story short, figured out that our post lady was stealing our mail. So the FBI was investigating her, I guess. Apparently that happens. Either way, back to the story. Sorry, that was supposed to be like a lighthearted little interval because this is a very upsetting story. Later that day at a press conference, um, Sergeant Kim Riley announces that they positively have ID'd the bodies as Abby and Libby, who were reported missing Monday the day before uh, February 13th. They discovered the bodies at around 12.15 on Valentine's Day, February 14th, and are considering the cause um, of death to considering it a double homicide and asked for information from the people near the Monon High Bridge. The media asked if the public should be afraid, and the sheriff responds with not at this time. The authorities do release do not release the cause of death in this brief or really anything about the scene. Um, they announced that the Carroll County Department um, and the Indiana State Police are leading, but the ERT, which is the evidence response team, and other sources from the FBI are assisting. But 24 hours later, two photos are released that change this investigation completely. Two photos are released of a white man who's wearing blue jeans, a blue coat, and a hoodie on the Monon High Bridge. His hands are in his pockets, and he's walking and, like, kind of hunched and, like, closed off and looking down at the bridge. Um, when these photos dropped, Christine Grillo, who is a NYC television host, was broadcasting and, like, kind of covering the case at the same time. Uh, they speculate that this is the suspect from the Delphi murders and someone, like, must know this guy. I mean, they got, like, a full body picture of this man. The public is in disbelief over the photo, and as horrified as they are, they kind of give, like, everyone hope that, like, we can find this guy now. We literally have a picture of him. He's immediately dubbed Bridge Guy, or BG for short, and people are immediately like, this guy's the killer. Um, police immediately mark him as a person of interest. They don't say he's a suspect. Um, and but at this time, the public don't really like know where these images come from. Possibly like a trail cam or like a security camera. Maybe one of the girls took them. Maybe someone else took them. And like the government is pulling these pictures off of the cloud without our permission. Small town. I'll say it again. Police say that bridge guy, BG, is just someone they want to talk to. And but we like aren't dumb. They kind of think he's a suspect. And immediately after this, um, the, bridge, the bridge and, like, backdrop, like, in this picture are just, like, analyzed, like, through everything. People on the internet, this is, like, the beginning of kind of internet sleuths, you know? And people are just, like, they are breaking apart this, like, metrics, numbers, they are analyzing this picture. Media attention continues to grow as news of the case spreads. Sergeant Kim Riley from the Indiana State Police says that the case is so unique due to the setting. It's, like, in broad daylight in a small, quote, all-American town on like public grounds um out where literally anyone could have seen this the authorities continue to be pretty close-lipped about the case even though sergeant riley at one point admits he most likely probably like, slipped up and have said something i probably shouldn't have the release of the images on tuesday leads to just hundreds of tips immediately flowing in um, one of these tips eventually leads investigators to a property on the southwest of carroll county on bicycle bridge road Authorities served a search warrant for the home and property was flocked by investigators. Media also is just on the scene immediately, reporting that most of the officers kind of leave after an hour, but there are some that kind of linger around and come out with boxes. In a press brief, the public was informed that the officers didn't anticipate any arrests from this and that they are were just following up on tips. Prosecutor Robert Ives pleads to the public not to harass or bother the homeowners of this property. 
He asked via Facebook um, to leave the people alone and let the police work. It seems now that um, nothing really came of this search, but people just wonder what the probable cause was um, granting like this warrant in the first place. So I am also just like not involved in law or investigation at all. So this is all just me doing this for entertainment. So I majored in microbiology. Like I don't know anything about the criminal justice system besides what I can read on the internet and what I've gathered. But this is a little snippet of my research and some, you know, help from that down the hill podcast. Um, probable cause occurs when the police have a reasonable belief that there is evidence of a crime at a certain place that they want to search. Investigators must provide an affidavit with reasons the property must be searched and specifically what they are looking for on this premises. The why is also important for this particular premise or property, and that must be relevant. A judge then reviews this for accuracy and sufficiency, and then a warrant can be issued. I am, as I said before, no lawyer, obviously, and looking into this made me kind of wonder what evidence the investigators found probably at the scene or tips that were kind of submitted to get a search warrant this early in the investigation as this occurred on Thursday and they didn't find the body since Tuesday. So it was a pretty quick turnaround and that's kind of what the general consensus is that like this was a pretty fast to be throwing warrants around. Um, that Saturday, the public has a visitation that is held for the family and friends at Delphi High School. Um, quickly, this is followed by the bridge guy being named as the prime suspect on February 19th. During a press conference on February 22nd, the Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter speaks to the killer, not, you know, indirectly, like in his speech kind of, and he kind of like threatens him and he's like, we will find you. Um, an FBI agent then also speaks appealing more towards the people in the community who may know this killer pleading with them to say something if they recognize or notice something like, hey, did like so-and-so act one way before the crime and act after weirdly different after the crime kind of thing. Um, and also saying like, if the photo looks like someone you know, if it like a family and friends, family member or friend said something like alluding to knowing about the murders of the girls, um, pretty much just pleading for information or like just really just asking like, please, if you know something or think you know something, just say something. Um, Dave Verson, who's an Indiana State Police public information officer, answers kind of typical procedural questions to give shape to the investigation. He then like delivers something no one expects. He drops some audio that was taken from Libby's cell phone. He tells the crowd that he will play the audio clip four times saying the audio says down the hill, like he tells them what the audio is gonna say. Um, and he tells the crowd that they want him to like listen to the voice, listen to the way he speaks, his cadence, and see and speak up if they recognize it. He also leads on that law enforcement has more information that they have not and cannot really disclose to the public, as well as denying that authorities believe they are dealing with a serial murderer. He, however, does not answer if he believes there are multiple assailants that could still be at large or if it's just one. The next few months were filled with much of the same. In February, a light up Delphi began and the community members installed orange lights on their porches um, while tips continued to kind of flood in. By April 25th, two months after the murders, a total of 16,000 tips had been filed and the police had conducted 500 interviews. On March 16th, authorities executed a search warrant on Rob Logan, who owned the property where the bodies was fo- were found. The authorities did not label him as a suspect. Rather, um, this is kind of a normal part of the investigation. 
in July of 2017 after the photo and audio of Bridge Guy leaked to thousands of tips but no arrests, the first sketch of the person of interest was released. This sketch of the probably bridge guy was a black and white sketch of a white man in his like 40s wearing a cap. He has kind of like scruffy hair, goatee, dark hoodie, and darker eyes. And this man looks like it could be anybody. I mean, just you can kind of like Google this and see um, what I'm talking about. But they say the sketch was formulated from tips from people who were in the area around the time the girls were. This sketch, understandably, sent off a flurry of speculation. And even Kelsey, Libby's sister, says... Well, could this guy could be anybody. This also kind of set off like a witch hunt for people who are looking and like accusing anyone who looked like this sketch. People were creating side-by-sides from images of people they knew or even just like found on the internet. Um, and these were being sent to the police or even just posted on social media outright, um, like Facebook, big shocker, uh, Twitter, Reddit, even less surprising, and YouTube. People were even bringing themselves to the investigators to clear their names, being like, hey, this kind of looks like me. How can I clear my name? Um, The investigators have DNA evidence for this case, so possibly they were, like, comparing their DNA and just kind of ruling people out. Um, This continued for months and without really any big jumps and no big breaks, really. Um, In September 2017, detectives go out to Colorado to interview Daniel Nations and, quote, collect evidence to rule him out of the Delphi case. Nations was on probation in Indiana for two counts of public indecency and was charged with failure to register as a sex offender in Colorado when he moved there. He was looked at as a person of interest as he lived about two hours from Delphi at the time of the murders. He was said to resemble the release sketch of the bridge guy. However, Nations provided investigators with DNA samples and the case kind of eventually moved on from him. The media has had a strong presence, as I said before in this case, from the very beginning. Investigators have um, had to reach out to the public through the media for tips, and the unusual nature of the crime has captured the spotlight of, like, the nation, pretty much, throughout the entire course of this investigation. The families also appeared on various talk shows and news outlets. They appeared on Nancy Grace in October of 2017 and discussed the case on Dr. Oz, They also went on Dr. Phil on December 3rd of 2017, and tips were said to jump 500% after that episode aired. Authorities were swamped with information, but all of it seeming to lead really nowhere. And the prosecuting attorney, Richard Ives, retired around the end of 2017 and was replaced by Nick McLeland. As time progressed, it came out that the scene was just like covered in physical evidence. However, the authorities have not released any more information. They've pretty much just, as I said before, they kind of like said that the crime scene was like odd, obviously very complicated. Um, And then it was also released that there were like at least two to three quote like signatures. Um, Robert Ives, who is that new um, or that officer, Robert Ives made this comment on the Down the Hill podcast when they interviewed him and keeps repeating that the scene was odd and that there were signatures, but does not disclose any information as to what these were. Um, Marielle Toole, who is a former FBI profiler and worked with Ted Krasinski and Gary Ridgway, um, describes signatures as a behavior that an offender engages in at a crime scene that is beyond what is necessary for that said crime. These typically tend to be like psychologically or sexually gratifying to the offender. Um, these also tend to be repeated across crimes and can sometimes lead to like 
disc- figuring out like why they're committing these crimes in the first place. She also says that multiple signatures can indicate multiple crimes that have been committed. So like, I don't know, you don't just go out your first time and like do all these things. It's kind of like something that kind of like builds is kind of what she was kind of alluding to. Um, in this case, it is interesting that there are apparently multiple signatures um, according to Robert Ives. And like, does that indicate that this guy has maybe done this before? He doesn't really ever clear anything up. Just kind of is more, de- well, lack of details, giving us information, but not really giving out any details. Um, Nick McLeland, the Carroll County prosecutor, believes these murders were not planned. He believes this um, wasn't planned and the girls were not, like, lured onto the trail. He describes this as an opportunistic crime as it was committed in the public place in broad daylight. He um, reported that usually when teen girls are found with this amount of physical evidence, again, like, alluding that there was, like, a bunch of evidence they're working with but still not disclosing any of it. But he kind of said that they usually have a suspect in like two to three days. While the investigation has had suspects, he believes that they have not found the perpetrator yet. He never have like felt that they had like the murder right in front of them, even though um, they believe that they have had a lot of evidence that has given them solid leads. Um, especially with the evidence, like the video and audio evidence of the believed murder, like the bridge guy and the nationwide coverage of the case, it is shocking that no one has recognized this guy for sure yet. Since 2017, investigators have continued to work on the Delphi case steadily, um, but they also have kind of like downsized the task force from the initial just like army that was on this case. Um, they kind of like changed locations to like kind of like fit the size of the investigative force at the time. This case has not gone cold, but not much progress was really seeming to be made. However, on April 22nd of 2019, a press conference was held where authorities dropped an updated sketch. This image was seemingly of a younger man with curly hair and like a strong jaw. Like some people described it as kind of like a Jay Leno draw, jaw. Like, I don't know, he just, I don't know, he's kind of, kind of a structured face i guess it was said by some to look nothing like the first sketch while others kind of like drew some similarities between them to me these sketches really don't look anything alike Um, the first sketch was much more detailed and resembled like the guy that i thought kind of looked like the image the like picture image from louis phone more the investigators also dropped a new segment of audio including the words guys that preceded the like down the hill that was kind of dropped earlier Um, listening to this new audio segment, the guys, like the address, sounds much like friendlier and more casual than like the down the hill that was released earlier in 2017, where that sounds like more like a command. Um, the public now has more fuel to ignite, like kind of interest in the case again. People are kind of like revisiting it. Um, later in 2021, a connection is made between the Delphi case and the case of an arrested catfishing, like child predator, Keegan Klein also known as Anthony underscore shots. This 27-year-old man used a fake Instagram profile to contact minors and reportedly contacted one of the girls the night before they were murdered. A lot of speculation is kind of made around this arrest, including that they um, may have had multiple people using the same like Anthony shots accounts. And then according to like syntax and like just kind of sentence structure way of typing that he like maybe it didn't work alone. Um, and he is kind of like redacting or like re, 
he's kind of pulling back in some of his confessions that he previously made. This man was only named as a person of interest and he was never charged for anything involved in the Delphi case. There was, however, a five-week search of the Wabash River in Peru, Indiana, which very confusing name. A lot of these names around this, like, Delphi are, like, Peru, like, Miami, like, Mexico. Like, there's weird names for towns in Indiana. Anyway, back at it. But there was that five-week search in the Wabash River in Peru connected to the that Klein predator guy. Um, and that began the same day he was taken into custody. This whole case was covered by a podcast called The Murder Sheet, and they say police sources told them that this search was kind of like connected to the Delphi case. Um, now, this is pretty much as much as I had known about the Delphi case leading up to the end of October, and I, as I said before, had bugged my family and my friends about this case, informing them of like just, I'm like, this case is absolutely insane and is something that you need to like read up on because it just is just crazy that this hadn't really been solved yet. Um, and it was kind of like, again, a bit of a coincidence that I was ranting to someone about this one day and the next day I was at work and browsing the internet and I saw that there was an arrest made in this case. So Richard M. Allen was arrested on two counts of murder on October 26, 2022. Allen works at a local CVS, has two children, a wife, and frequents a local bar like a normal member of the society. Reportedly, there were wanted posters at the CVS and at that bar um, with the image and sketch of the bridge guy kind of posted as, I mean, they were posted all over Delphi. Um, there's even like a picture of um, Alan at his like local bar and you can literally see one of like the posters in the background asking for information about this case. While Superintendent Doug Carter announced the arrest, the public is still in the dark over the details uh, Nicholas McLean, the Carroll County prosecutor, sealed the or like charging documents. Judge Diner, I might have pronounced that wrong, um, set a hearing for November 22nd, which is today, as I'm recording this, um, to consider granting um, public access to the probable cause affidavit, which would shed light onto like why Allen was arrested um, and charged. Allen. Pleaded not guilty in the initial or the initial hearing. The pretrial hearing is set now for February 17th, and the actual trial date is set for March 20th. This apparently, and again, I am no lawyer, so I know nothing about this, is pretty quick as far as trial dates go, um, which makes sense because the investigation needs to be like totally put together, and the case needs to kind of like successfully prove that Alan is guilty of what they are like prosecuting him for which is apparently a double homicide which i guess i kind of was like looking into this too and apparently in indiana there's like weird not weird i should not say weird there's different laws typically about how like murders are like ranked so like first degree second degree third degree murder is like different and apparently if you're like in a like an accomplice or like aiding in a murder is still like you get charged with murder still um which is interesting because um, the prosecutor also said that they suspect, like, Richard may not have acted alone, so maybe, like, he didn't even murder them, and maybe he was just, like, helping somebody else out do it, but so far, Alan is requesting a public defense team and is awaiting his trial, and I did just look, like, right before I started filming this, because I've been looking at this all day, because his, they kind of were, like, seeing if today, today, November 22nd, was going to be, like, a day where they decided to either keep that 
um, probable cause, like that, um, like affidavit, was it an affidavit? Like keep the reason why he was arrested under wraps or to like release it to the public, which is apparently very unusual for like a state tried crime to not have the probable cause like released. And the victim's families and like the officers on this case have been very adamant that they want this kept under wraps and they do not want it released, which obviously is like confusing for people who are on the outside to like not be able to know like why like probable cause, why this man was arrested for this crime, which is also I think what his defense is kind of now using as being like, I mean, I guess our judicial system was founded off of you know and everyone knows why you're kind of arrested but in certain cases i guess like if they think that it is best to keep this under wraps even like they still they did not release it today they did not decide um to release this information today maybe they will tomorrow maybe they'll next week maybe we won't hear about until the trial um but i guess if these officials and even like the family who deserves and like wants to probably know more than anyone wants this to be kept secret then maybe that is for the best and we just don't want anything to impede on this trial and let it work i guess how it is supposed to um but either way this case is i mean we just definitely hit like kind of a milestone in an arrest being made but it is just the beginning of kind of how this is going to unfold in this next phase and i guess we should be kind of in expecting to get more information as this trial kind of plays out in these next few months but yeah so that is the delphi case and the murder of abby and libby this case is obviously just so sad and we want nothing but like justice for these girls and peace for their families but yeah this is something that you can definitely kind of keep on your radar as it is unfolding right now but yeah so maybe i'll give an update if i hear any updates on this anytime soon but so this is me kind of jumping in with about a week later update so this is november 27th um so as i last mentioned before on the 22nd i believe they had that um kind of hearing to decide if they wanted to open or close the affidavit to make that public knowledge or not. And at this point, the case is still closed or the the affidavit is still closed. We still really don't have any more information about this. It still kind of looks like it is up um, for decision and like ruling. Maybe later they will kind of release more, more information. I think... Like, the prosecutor and many people surrounding this case still believe that it is best to keep this um, out of the public's knowledge. Um, I guess I can kind of read my sources, too, since I kind of forgot to do that earlier. A big one that I did use was that HLN podcast, Down the Hill. The authors for that were Barbara McDonald, J- Don, going to butcher this, Samantowitz and Andrew Iden. I also had a CNNL article by Drew Iden, an Indiana State Police Adelphi Homicide Investigation article, Fox 59 Adelphi Murder Suspect Held with No Bond by Russ McQuaid, a WISHTV.com article by Ashley Fowler, an ABC WRTV Indianapolis article um, 
the, for like a Delphi timeline, and then a media sets, the indie channel article that I used as a timeline as well. Uh, as I said before, I guess I'm gonna try to get, you know, more per consistent with doing this. But you know, I'm new at this, and we're really trying our best. But thank you for, if anyone listened to this, uh, have a fantastic rest of your day. And, you know, see you, see you later.